0: There's always something new and exciting happening in Montgomery County, Maryland. Join podcaster and business leader Kelly Leonard and me, Bob Levy, on another episode of Something to Talk About, where we speak with industry leaders making an impact in our county. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
1: A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh?
0: Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino.
2: Society 13 and Frogzilla Radio proudly present Frog Watch with your friend and host,
0: Big Tony Rousey, aka Frog Watch.
2: That opening track was Ministry of Life from the great new album by the band Esquire. The name of the album is No Spare Planet. Welcome back, my friends, to another episode of Prog Watch. For those of you who may not know, Esquire, the band, was founded in the 1980s by Nicky Squire, who was at the time Mrs. Chris Squire, and multi-instrumentalist Nigel McLaren. After a couple of very good albums in the 80s and 90s, they kind of went on a long hiatus for various reasons, some of which you will hear about later in this show. In recent years, Nikki and Nigel had been working on a comeback album, but sadly, Nigel would never see it completed. He passed away last year around the same time that Chris Squire died. So in a very short period of time, Nikki Squire had lost her ex-husband, the father of her children, who helped her find her voice and muse all those years ago and her main musical collaborator, who she had worked with over the past 30 years. It's a tribute to her strength and spirit that she resolved to complete this new album as a kind of tribute to Nigel McLaren. But I'm getting ahead of myself, because a few weeks ago I was lucky enough to chat with Nicky Squire, and we had a really nice conversation which will shed some more light on the history of Esquire, her time with Chris, and the genius of Nigel McLaren. I'll play some of it now. And we'll take some breaks along the way to hear some new and old Esquire music.
4: This is my first interview in uh, probably some years. I won't even count them because it, it'll it'll you know jar me. <laughs> I'll get <laughs> jarred by it. So let's not count the years, but it is a long time. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, we're, I'm happy to be here and to have this opportunity too. It's great. Thank I'm you honored.
2: I'm honored to talk to you. Um, my pleasure. So I guess we'll get rolling.
4: Good. Let's do it.
2: Okay. So you formed Esquire in the late 80s with Nigel McLaren and Charles Olins when you were still married to, yes, bassist Chris Squire. Uh, Can you tell me a little about how you got together with those guys? And were you always a musician and a
4: performer? Okay. So later on, as I was probably about 21, then I went to a drama school. And in that drama school, we did all the normal things. I was singing, dancing, uh, and uh, drama. So I covered some of it. And as a kid, I always loved to sing. I was always the one that set up the local shows. And I was the sort of frontline singer. You know, kiddie things.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: And uh, But I, I'll go to when I met the boys... It was the earlier part of 1982. You're a bit late there, really. Okay. It was the earlier part of 82, And Chris and I went for an evening out to a club, well-known club called the Embassy. While we're watching, there's a small band performing. And I was saying, oh, they're quite good, aren't they? So on and so forth. And we were talking about it. Anyway, at the end of their little set, because the Embassy was very, very hip Quite small, lot of fun, a lot of different artists there. Uh, anyway, when they finished their set, um, the two of them came up to me. One was my cousin, and the other one was my cousin-in-law. Now, the, the, my cousin was the drummer. My cousin-in-law was a guitarist. It had been so long since I'd seen them. They'd kind of grown up because they were babies, and... After chatting and, uh, you know, Chris, was we were chatting with Chris and I and them and stuff. And Chris was going away to New York for quite a period of time. So I said to him, well, why didn't you come down and record at the house? You know, I had somebody at that point, Richard was there who has worked for, yes, for years. But he was going to do a bit of engineering and the studio wasn't really being used. So I thought it'd be nice, you know. Anyway, long story short, Nigel arrived with them. Now, I hadn't met Nigel before, but he was a replacement bass player. And so it was kind of in, you know, it was almost in the stars, really, because I'd have never have met him in any other way. And by the time Chris came back from this stay in America, he was working and, and living there for a bit. I was in the band and we were por- performing at the embassy. So it turned around uh, that I was actually playing with my two cousins, Nigel and another keyboard player, and we put together a set and we played there. So by the time that happened, it was like mm, coming up to November 1982 at that stage. Okay. So that's where we were then, and that's a bit about my um background in terms of arts and i I'd, I'd always have my finger in a few pies creatively and also with clothing and knew a lot of designers and you know oh, was that that was that time where carnaby street and life was it was very vibrant in london there was a lot of opportunity so you could kind of grow and develop quite well in a creative way
2: swinging london
4: it was. It yeah. really. It was like. That. It really was. It was fabulous. So I, and I, we didn't have all the worries we have now with politics.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. It was a different world. It had its yes. own problems, though. I guess they just weren't. So... I know
4: it wasn't free of problems. Right. It just seems. I don't know if it's because I understand everything so much more, but it just seems a bit more complicated now.
2: Seems faster too. I. I don't yeah, envy faster. these kids. Everything is so fast these days. It's That's one of the, uh, yeah. the main pressures, yeah. I think, on society today. It's just, uh, the interconnectedness and the speed of advancement and all these technological things. and People just grow up too fast, in my opinion, anymore. It's just I
4: know. Yeah. I know, definitely. Well, before we go to the point of Ibiza or discuss that, that's one of the reasons I came to Ibiza. I just had enough of all that stuff. Okay. You know, I want to kick back a bit.
2: So this is this is like say nineteen eighty two you were talking about, but I see some I saw some stuff online that said that you had actually sung on "Run with the Fox" and "Hold Out Your Hand" on Chris. Oh yeah, you, mm-hmm. you sang on those tracks.
4: Well, yeah, I certainly did. I mean, I was with Chris from nineteen seventy, mm-hmm. so we went through a lot. I mean, yes, were hadn't had the Yes album there yet, so I mean, we grew a lot together we would sit with, uh, you know, a a two track tape machine, a revox in our lounge and Chris would create songs and we would be together. And at that point, I played more piano than I certainly do now. So we were creative together, I have to say. So later, I mean, Run With The Fox was much later. I mean, um, Fish Out of Water would have been in I don't know, 73. 75.
2: I think it was 75 75. is when it was released. Okay,
4: Um, 75. And he recorded that we built the studio at the house and it had taken that long from, we were at the house from 71. And by the time it, I mean, that was ready for that recording session. We worked on, I mean, Chris mostly wrote the tracks on fish out of water, I sang with them on them. I was, in, in truth, I was learning a lot, but I was also contributing in my own kind of unorthodox learning process, if that makes sense.
2: I saw that term used on the Yes Choir website that you, I guess you said that Chris was, uh, you you learned a lot from Chris, but he was like a strict teacher and with nigel it was when you were writing with nigel mclaren later on it was like looser and he was more accepting of your unorthodox style do you care to tell us what what do you mean by that I, is like is, is it a, um, the way you write or the way you approach things or
4: well because i was never truly taught to sing i i you know my, nigel for instance would be at the piano and when we wrote blossom time You know, he'd say to me when we went into the change and he'd say, but Nicola, that shouldn't work with those chords. So I always pushed it. That's how he would see it, that that I would do things that weren't supposed to work, but they did. So that's what I mean by unorthodox. Okay. And then later, when later, you know, as Chris would discover we were writing those songs, Nigel and I he he started to really realize that wow you know because there's always when you're taking those risks there's always uh, you know I wasn't embarrassed with Nigel because Nigel was so excited about how I sang and what I could do it was funnily enough it was later that Chris made certain discoveries about me as a vocalist and as an artist but I mean also when I was doing the vocals for Run With The Fox or when I was doing vocals, or or indeed when I'd be doing harmonies to stuff that was already written and we'd be in the car. He was, he, he was always enamored by the fact that I'd come up with something out of the ordinary. But then at the mic at home in the studio, he was very strict, you know. Okay. He was very strict. I had to reach those notes hard, head on. And he taught me that. You know, he taught me that, that. He taught me that. And also his harmony, his sense of harmony was amazing.
2: You know? It sure was. <laughs> so,
4: you know, and, you know, we went with Barry. Uh, uh, I can't, I've forgotten Barry's last, last name. He was on the Fish Out of Water. He was his choir master. Okay. So, you know, we were at uh, uh, we were at uh, St. Paul's Cathedral you know, recording as well. So I wasn't recording, but I was there. So I was kind of learning the whole time. And I was at a stage where, when Nigel came into my life, it was like, I wanted it that badly that I was going to sing my socks off. Really.
2: Very cool. Very cool. You, uh, yeah, you sat in on some history there too. And yeah, you learned, uh, you learned from a master. That's for sure.
4: So he was brilliant. You know, yeah. I was married to Chris for nearly 20 years altogether. All together we were we were together and married for about about 18 19 years yeah so we knew each other quite well yeah I'd say
2: <laughs> yeah I, I guess you would
4: um yeah we have our kids, you know we have our daughters together so he was very once when I'd written with Nigel uh, Knock twice for heaven special greetings and a couple of other tracks, but the Chris was very um he was really impressed with it and they were demos i mean chris wasn't involved in writing or i'd I'd made a note of that because you asked me that question about about chris so i don't jump the gun because i'd made some notes and i'm steaming ahead here so okay I'll let you ask the (laughs) question before I ask. Oh, no.
2: It's fascinating (laughs) to hear about this stuff. It really is. Here's another new one from the latest Esquire album, which is called No Spare Planet. This one is called Human Rhythm. Human Rhythm, from the new album by Esquire entitled No Spare Planet. Now back to my chat with Nikki Squire. On the first two albums, you had a lot of different contributors aside from the set core of of the group Esquire. Um, Chris, obviously, your eldest daughter. Yeah. You also had folks like Alan White, Denny Lane, and Chris Slade. So, uh, okay. what was? The, do you have any recollections of working with some of those folks?
4: Of course, of course. Okay, the Esquire debut album. Okay, it was done in 1987. Chris wasn't really uh, living at home that time, really. He was coming and going. So he, he would mentor me from time to time in singing, which is what I've already said, and I res- which I respected immensely. But he didn't write or play on the album. Carmen did backing vocals, and so did Chris on certain songs. Nigel and Chris too. Alan White played drums to on to the rescue only. Okay, okay. he only played on one track. Then there was um, who else played drums? A lot of it was is under the name Dinky.
2: I saw on that, that yeah.
4: Album. Yeah, but that is Nigel doing the drum machine. He was adept at drum machine. In the end, he was adept at recording. He played everything, Nigel, and he is really a top bass player. I mean, mm-hmm. I know Chris is great, but this guy definitely needs his place because he's he was a great bass player. Uh, people say he was influenced by Chris. Maybe so, but everybody's influenced by lots of people. You know, he liked Jack Bruce, just as Chris did. And, you know, we all look towards our um, our idols, really. And maybe he felt that musically, but it wasn't like that in day to day. We all knew each other very well. So where Chris was involved in the album, and lots of people get it confused, um, he taught me loads. So it's by no means a... uh, uh, to take away from him. But he he produced the mixes along with Mark Wallace and Esquire. We, that When we did work together was in L.A. when we mixed the album. We mixed the whole album together. So lots of demos got remixed, you know, because they were great. And Nigel had recorded them all. We had played them or I'd sung them. Nigel and I wrote them these songs mm-hmm. and then mark chris esquire mixed the album together and then after john Kolodner wanted trevor horn to do a remix and he remixed to the rescue in london and that's how that all came about okay so chris and carmen did backing vocals on certain songs along with myself nigel I'm Charles,
2: okay, hmm. it does kind of set the record straight because of listening to the album years ago, even I mean, I had it in the eighties, I think, and uh i I was like, boy, I think you can hear Chris's influence in these background vocals. I wonder if he actually did that, but I think no. it, as it turns out, it sounds like it was more that you had learned from him and were probably doing I some of the so. same kind of harmony things that he would have done himself anyway.
4: I think it's it's got to rub off in such a long time, having seen so many yes shows and as well and obviously i mean chris and i would be singing in the car going to town to be playing a mm-hmm. be playing a track with vocals on it we'd be practicing together i mean it, those those times were brilliant but uh, you know these tracks were laid out very well uh, we were signed to trevor trevor's la- re- label but the thing was we waited quite a long time because trevor had so many projects and while we were waiting, John Kolodner from Geffen kind of headhunted us, and uh, we popped off to uh, to join Geffen, and that's uh, how it came. But he still, John Kolodner still wanted Trevor to remix the 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 what was to be the main track. It it, it come somehow got a bit convoluted in people's advice, but. Um, It was to the rescue, so he did that. Mm -hmm. But when you mentioned Denny Lane and Chris Slade, they didn't play on the debut Esquire album. They only played on Coming Home. On the second album, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there's um, a whole list of, uh, if you, during this conversation, if you want to know who played on the first album, I must say that Nigel did most of the drums. Yeah, most of them. And he did a good job. It couldn't, in often cases, in that day, I don't know about people now could tell, but in that time, people couldn't tell. Yeah, yeah. He couldn't tell. And it it was a drum machine, because he he, he was very, Nigel was very talented, really talented guy. I I miss him.
2: I was sad to hear of his passing. I I couldn't find any information about what what exactly, or do you not want to talk about it?
4: No, no, I can, because, uh, you know, it's not, it's not a great deal to say he had, uh, he had a, um, a stroke. He died. I mean, I he left. We were starting to talk about getting these tracks mixed and assemble them all. He talked, you know, we so much had gone in, in between and I was living in, you know, uh, Ibiza. And, uh, you know, I've got three girls. I've got family. It kind of got complicated (laughs) and challenging and challenging and we were getting divorced and stuff like that all that took place and we got coming home done under great duress moved home you know there wasn't the budget some people say you know coming home wasn't as good well we did it on a shoestring I mean when we had Geffen behind us we could have the best studios the best equipment to add to the already demos and have you know a great we mixed it on the um, a valve desk the mm-hmm. name escapes me at the moment in uh, Ocean Way Studios yeah I
2: know what you mean
4: uh, yeah yeah a beautiful desk mm-hmm. and we could we could hone it you know like any new vocals I did I could I'd do them analog while we were adding digital equipment and blend them together. When it got to coming home, but we couldn't uh, do any of that stuff. And at the end of coming home and it getting out there, and I just went away. I just said, look, i I got to take a break. But coming back to Nigel, we still kept in touch. We still exchanged musical ideas. And these are the ones that are now released. And he said, Nicola, please, let's do this, you know. And... So I started to travel to, to complete these songs and do new vocals and set up harmonies. And, and the night before, he uh, sent me a message saying, I'm waiting for you. And the next morning, he died. That's terrible. And I only had a text the night before. I mean, I was absolutely all of last year was a, mm, the year after he died. Uh, he died in the same month as Chris. June. Hmm. June. He died in June the 7th. It was all really quite too much. But I imagine. But I decided I had, to, I had to do this. And Mark Wallace, who mixed the last album, or the first album, who is a brilliant producer, he worked with all kinds of bands and he'd worked with us, like I say, um, he, he came on board. Uh, as a tribute to Nigel, too. So we've had, actually, a better quality of equipment and, of course, engineer, too. Um, Nigel was good at engineering, but we weren't great mixers. Coming home came out all right, considering that it was, uh, again, it was quite challenging. So... That's why it may not have had the uh, icing on the cake that the debut album had, mm-hmm. but this is a very different kind of. It, it's high quality. It's got everything, but it's a very meaningful. It's an honest album, really. It's very okay. honest.
2: Yeah, I heard some clips. Uh, yeah, a lot of things have changed since uh, the '90s. It's amazing what you know how how much the recording of music has
4: changed. Yeah, I know. I know. And there was that period, Tony, where it was all about dance music, you know. It wasn't about, I mean, especially in in London and really especially living here in Ibiza. All the people I knew that I worked with that were musicians here, I I I did some stuff on dance tracks and it sounded pretty good, but it wasn't really for me, you know. It's not for me. And everybody's different, you know. I don't. It. It just. I I wanted a chorus. I wanted to hear a verse. I
5: wanted.
4: (laughs) Where's the link? Where's the song? You can just keep saying the same stuff over and over again with four on the floor and a few, you know, bit of delayed echo and
2: and some heavy bass, heavy bass, yeah,
4: heavy bass, yeah, some heavy bass and hot sweat. That's what I mean, yeah. So a lot of years kind of went in between of these things. I think by the time I got to Ibiza in '99, I was kind of like, oh, I want, I to have a think here. So much has happened, and I still have a young fa- you know, still had a young family that I can accommodate in my home if they need me.
0: Hi, this is Pete Jones from Tiger Moth Tales and you're listening to Prog Watch with Anthony Rosick. When one Mellotron just isn't enough, call in the professionals. Progzilla, proving that prog isn't just for dinosaurs.
2: Let's take a break here and listen to one from the second Esquire album entitled Coming Home, which was released in 1994. This is one of my favorites called Tron Tommy." And that was Tron Tomey from the second Esquire album entitled Coming Home. Now back to my conversation with Nikki Squire. I write some music too, nothing like what you're doing, but, you know, you put it out there and I think it's just the greatest compliment to have anyone ever tell you that, boy, I really like that. It really, I really like this oh, part God, or it, yeah. it touched me or, you know, um, like even oh, God, on some of your yeah. stuff. That's
4: what it's for uh, in even, the end.
2: Even on like, know, like, Tron Tommy. I mean, I mean. I don't know what the doodah man's all about, but that part in that song, I just that whole thing, it's like he's in the mirror and all this stuff. It always it really struck a chord with me emotionally. And I love when music connects to me emotionally and makes me feel something.
4: Well, the doodah man is a euphemism for God. Where did he go? You know, okay, he's wow. a super okay. trooper. What happened? So the man in the mirror, you know, and then it says, um, uh, the dance floor's full. The dance floor is the world, you know. To save it all, the right choice. To save it all, the lone voice.
2: Fantastic, you know.
4: That's it's, wow. It, it's come on, let's the lone voice. It, you know, he's a, And then um, I can see you and the man in the mirror. I can't remember everything because right. I'm quite uh, animated to talk to you, but I could in a moment. And um, the man in the mirror says, "Do da da," and there's my imagination for the "do da do da, do." Uh, is is Crinoline lady is dancing round the dance floor? The floor had cleared and everything had got better. And then you know, and it, then the ponies in the circus it comes back and like mate. right? It goes round and round, and the ponies in the circus are going round and round. Life is uh, life is as is, you know.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. that's amazing. So, I mean. Uh, uh, the music, what you're saying, what you're singing, you know, it just all combines. And I love it when something hits me like that. It's
4: But that's what I missed, you see? That when you got to dance music and I I mean, I like it. I like lots of different music. But for me, I couldn't express a story within it. You know, it's different. It's very mm-hmm. so different. But it can get you, you know, it can get your blood moving. Right. I mean, I'm in a beef for me. It pumps out here, and I've been, you know, a guest at so many big, uh, you know, nights in the past, and uh, you know, it's been fun, but it's not the same, you know. i, I singing, it wasn't the same for me, basically.
2: Yeah, and the, look, I mean,
4: yeah, there's, yeah.
2: There's many ways that music can make you feel, and happy and dancing is just one of them, in my opinion. There's music is like. I it's it's part of me it's part of my soul I, I'm suspicious yeah. of people who don't like music if they say I don't really like music <laughs> you know, I'm suspicious of those people because I think this is something innate to humanity you know that we have this this desire to create and this is one of the most creative outlets I think that's out there aside from like well it's probably on par I would say with like painting and all those kind of things and you seem to tap into a lot of that artistic side you talked about design and, and the music and everything and it's yeah. that's fantastic that's I think that's the the best of us in some ways, you know. Yeah,
4: really? I I missed it. You know, I missed it in, in the period where I was not sure. I mean, listen, everybody went through. I mean, in prog rock, it did go a little bit, yeah, where people weren't you crazy about it, and you know, it was a bit dinosaur and all mm-hmm. this horrible, you know, uh, uh, approaches towards it, and and it. You know, I wasn't. I wasn't sure, and I'm sure that, and these Chris and I, you know, we would talk sometimes, and uh, you know, it was the same. It was the same. Uh, and writing new stuff is hard under that kind of pressure because you you got to feel that you're going to be able to contribute, and and if you think, oh well, nobody likes Prague anymore, then that's really a bit depressing. So or, or rock. I tr- I think this is more contemporary in some respects. Then we've all been through quite a lot, and you know I I, I I want this to do this for Nigel. I I think I'm prepared to sing my socks off. I'm not. I'm I'm in a a real. I don't know. I'm in a place where I think I can do what I'm meant to do, <laughs> and and I know. My family are on that side, one side, and that's all under wraps and going fine, touch wood, but then this is what I have to do. And I never thought I would get back to these songs, if I'm deeply honest, because, you know, it's a long journey back and forth, and I used to get freezing cold when we were doing these tracks, you know, and then I, I would leave it for a while, and poor Nigel would be, you know, asking me, Nicola, when are you coming back? You know, I'll send you these, I'll send you this MP3. Tell me what you think. Write me the melody to this. So it was a slow process, Mm -hmm. really. Uh, But, uh, and sadly, I'm doing it and he's not around, which is, uh, yeah, sometimes I have to get my head around that. It has to be done. His mum and his wife are over the moon. They have their copies now. And they're like, made up that these songs are going to be heard.
2: I'm going to take a little break here to catch up with our resident reviewer, Dr. Rob Fisher, for another voyage of progressive discovery. Here's Rob. Progressive Discoveries this week takes a look at how progressive rock becomes a way of thinking and a way of living in the world. We love progressive rock because it grabs us. It resonates within us. It speaks to us in ways nothing else can and elicits all kinds of feelings and emotions. It takes us over and in many senses becomes who we are. Norwegian band Oak recently released their debut album Lighthouse. The album brilliantly shows a band who understand what it means to use music to think things through, to reflect on feelings and experiences, and figure out how to share all this with others. The album is built on a heartfelt belief in the inherent value of music, to be an intimate companion and an illuminating presence in the lives we live. All of the songs draw on the personal dreams, experiences, events, and journeys of the members of the band. We're going to play track two from the album, a song called Home. Have a listen to the lyrics. At one point the singer notices the house looks vibrant from your mother's love. Listen for other seemingly innocent one-line lyrics. These are friends thinking and talking with each other about their lives, their memories, their experiences, from haunting depression through to contented nostalgia, through to happy optimism and joyful exuberance. Now I'm going to play this song for you. And again, this is called Home, from the new album by Oak called Lighthouse.
6: The smell of grass and all the stars above The house looks vibrant from your mother's love And I sense It's just notable but not as great As you expected and you wish to say The feeling of your soul escaping from the cold I wonder if you left it on the second floor
2: Now back to Rob. Oak recognized that life is a mixture and a fusion of all sorts of feelings, experiences, thoughts, and emotions. The music captures and reflects this ever-present struggle with a dynamism which makes it feel alive, a dance which you are invited to join and enjoy, for better or for worse. Lighthouse is affectionately endearing and is one of the few albums I have come across where you have the feeling of good friends getting together to share discuss, and reflect on things which perplex or matter to them, and they do so in a way which is honest, expressive, passionate, and appealing. That is what good friends allow us to do, and it is a pleasure to sit down with this album and be allowed to reflect and muse with them along the way. Once again, those were the insights of our friend, Dr. Rob Fisher of the Progressive Aspect in Prague Radar. When I post this show to my website, progwatch.com, I'll have a link for you to check out Rob's full review of the wonderful debut album by Oak, which again is called Lighthouse.
0: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to The Station with the best mix of music. Progzilla, bringing you the best progressive music has to offer.
2: Now let's get back to our Esquire feature with a song you heard Nikki talking about earlier. It's To The Rescue from the first Esquire album.
5: Did you believe what we said Shaping our fortune Could you conceive How we read A book in a steel?
2: Again, that was "To the Rescue" from Esquire, the self-titled debut album by the band in 1987. Now we'll hear some more from Nikki Squire.
4: Well, I'm very happy. I, I I'm looking at your questions, and some of them uh, you haven't uh, live dates. You were right, going to right? Ask yeah. Me about.
2: Did you have any? Plans it depends then?
4: if this album does well and people want to hear me perform. Um, I will definitely do it. Yes, you know, maybe a few venues, but I think everything depends on people's acceptance of, you know, this new album, and and that's it. it's in the lap of the gods, really. Tony. Sure, and, well, I'm going to uh, help um, get. Out.
2: I'm going to try to help get out there anyway.
4: <laughs> bless your heart. Thank you so much. Um, Thank you so
2: much. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear you. You came back and. Uh, I, <laughs> Another thing I was thinking of along the way here, um, your daughters are probably all grown up now, right? I mean, so what are they up to? Yeah,
4: Carmen is voice voiceover artist, and she runs uh, some property stuff. Chandrika is, you know, a, she's she's a very happy uh, girl. She did a lot of house music uh, in her younger day, but then now she's, she's a homey girl. With our husband and her son, my grandson, who indeed sang on the uh, on Stay Low, which you have on that four section, the four the four samples. There's a song there called Stay Low, okay. and there's a little young voice in there, which is the voice of young people, saying, Do they do nothing at all? Do we do nothing? And do we stay low? Uh, and uh he's singing that he's he's all stacked up as a choir and then he does his little solo bits very cool so, so that's my yeah he's a, he's a great chap and he is she's she's really running a business with her husband he's a kind of techno whiz they create all kinds of stuff and the youngest girl is a top mum she loves and uh she's just having a she just works hard bringing her kiddies up right now because she's got a young baby and another six-year-old and they're busy both of them
2: well there's nothing more important than that really
4: you know i mean we're close we're close as a family and uh they've lost their dad you know it's pretty major stuff so we talk about that too
2: Yeah. yeah Now here's one that has some special personal meaning to Nicky Squire. It's called Blossom Time, and it comes from the first Esquire album.
4: time was about. It's about changing and then strange how change is going through you. And then it's blossom time. It's like making it good, making it blossom, yeah. you know, letting the breeze blow through and go, mate, uh, you know, I can do this. And I think that's what blossom time was to me at that time. Yeah. Because my life was changing. You know, my marriage, my marriage to Chris was changing and there wasn't, too much I could do about it, so um, but he was so supportive to me as a musician, and and it they were tough times because we didn't want to end our relationship, but you know, sometimes it, it has to be like that, yeah. Are you not married?
2: Anymore? No, I'm still married, yeah.
4: Oh, okay, so okay. it's just my wife no, and I just,
2: here in, yeah. in the house, yeah. you
4: know. No, nice, but it, no, I didn't know if that had all happened at the same time as your kids growing up. No, that's brilliant.
2: No, we're still Tony, together. at like that's 20, great. 27 or 28. You know, I think that's
4: brilliant. My, I think that's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. We're I a mean, rarity. They, we're a rarity. Yeah. In days, I right? know. Yeah.
4: I know. Listen, we made it. We made a long haul considering, you know, but uh, along after that, I it kind of got, it gets difficult to maintain a relationship because people, you know, um, I, 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 Worked from home because I had the kids and kept it going there. But I did have a great studio. But then when we had, you know, a big deal from Geffen, we could go to other studios and stuff. But I still had to had to be aware of my kids all the time. So, event, you know, in the end, that's what you do. And and then kind of, you can turn around once they're grown up and go, what happened? You know, not just with your kids, but. What happened to Chris? What happened to me and Chris, you know, amidst all this kind of chaos. And uh sometimes I feel sad about that, you know. Yeah. But it ha- it happened. So I think that's brilliant for you that uh, you you have a long term relationship, you know. But we did okay my point was we were doing okay for rock and roll. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, probably, right? Yeah, that's you know, but it was tough it on relationships.
4: It but, yes, and the other thing I was saying, it got, you know, when other relationships come into your ex-partner's life, you know, wives or whatever, then it gets a bit difficult to maintain, um, you know, and go onward, you We're know. We're all human. Well, do you know what I mean? What do you do? Yeah. However, I had a, a brilliant time. I learned loads I had a wonderful time my kids did too and that's how we see it. So it's still blossom time, Tony. That's great. It's still blossom time, you know.
2: Well, are you going to re-blossom. You'll hear
4: that in these tracks. You'll hear some of that. Yeah. You'll hear some of what we are talking about in a in a not quite so straightforward way. <laughs>
2: well, I look forward to uh
4: sitting down and giving it a really good listen. Um, I'd be interested in your thoughts as well you know you can you can keep in touch send me a send me a, a message and you know we can uh, we can communicate that fantastic. would be fantastic
2: yeah I appreciate that would be it nice. um, yeah I, I, I really enjoyed talking to you
4: yeah is there anything you want to know before we go? do you have any unanswered questions?
2: Not really. I mean, you know, I didn't know how much you wanted to talk about Chris, but you ended up talking quite a bit about him and I didn't want to make it too much about him either because this is about your album coming out your and, you know, and, and your tribute to Nigel, which I think is fantastic. It's a great thing. And hopefully you're going to continue on and, and do more in the future, you know.
4: I would like to. It's, you know, what we can find in stems and create would be great. I've never, I mean, I've only really ever written with Nigel and Chris. So they were my two main, um, you know, uh, compañeros. Yeah. (laughs) My musical compañeros in España, (laughs) but uh, in England rather, but in Spanish. Yeah. That's what they are.
2: Well, I hope you enjoyed listening to my interview with Nikki Squire. She's a remarkable woman and it was really great to have her as a guest. So if you are listening, Nikki, thanks again. And all the rest of you out there, please go and check out the new album by Esquire called No Spare Planet. It's a fitting tribute to the late Nigel McLaren who sadly passed away before he could ever hear it finished. When I post this show to my website, progwatch.com, I will have links where you can learn more about Esquire and our progressive discoveries artist Oak and listen to and hopefully buy their music. We have a little time left, my friends, so I'm going to leave you with one more Esquire song from the new album. This one features the late Nigel McLaren on vocals, and it's called Friends and Enemies. I'm going to let it take us out, so thanks for coming along for the ride, my friends. And remember to prog on, brothers and sisters.
3: from you
1: Always look on the light side of life If life seems jolly rotten There's something you've forgotten And that's to laugh and smile and dance and sing When you're feeling in the dumps do be silly chumps Just purse your lips and whistle That's the thing That's the final word. You must always face the curtain with a bow. Forget about your scene. Give the audience a grin. Enjoy it. It's your last chance and out. So always look on the bright available all in the foyer. It's almost got a live as well, you know. It's all right, it's a lot. It's a great He changed his mantle side in side three weeks. you think pays for this, They'll Never made their money back, you know. I told him. I said to him, Bernie, I said, they will never make that money back.